0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Ubuntu Podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Hanel Kimla from the Ubuntu Podcast. This is our final episode, part two of our conversation with Isaac Kujo, where he'll go more into his work with the return movement super excited to have you all on here again and want to thank all of you for your support during this first season want to also extend a special thank you to all my co-hosts for a great first season as well at the very end of this episode we're actually going to have a dna reveal from our very own david curtis so stay tuned
2: So I'm curious, all those experiences that you had growing up, how was it? How was that influential in um, shaping the career that you looked at? And what what was that conversation like with with your family? I know for me, you know, you hear the doctor, you know, engineer, lawyer. My dad was an engineer, and so when I told him that physics was not my forte, I can't tell. It was one of the saddest looks I've ever seen. He's like, "But but what do you mean? This is easy!" And I just couldn't get it. Um, so I'm curious for you, all these experiences that you. Had, were there moments in which you started to figure out this is what I want to build upon this is what I want to do yeah so um one thing I, I always
3: always give credit to my parents always give credit to my parents and m- my father is somebody that I really look up to in so many different ways he he is one of 30 something kids Um, And, and, you know, he tells me that even coming to America, it was his friend that told him, hey, I'm going to go apply for the lottery visa. You should come. And he told his friend, "Eh, I'm a school teacher. I'm doing pretty fine. I mean, when you when you grew up in a certain environment, what you consider success is not what other people consider success. So he felt he was successful and he was doing well. And his friend was like, oh, just come with me. Let's just, you know, throw your name in the hat. Let's see what happens. And he said, he prayed to God. He said, let thy will be done. And he went and eventually he was invited to the United States of America. And, you know, coming coming to America for them, I think they understood that they wouldn't understand everything in this country. So while a lot of, especially like in my experience, West African parents tell their kids to be doctors, engineers, and all that stuff, my parents knew that all those things were hard to become. So they never were in my ear telling me I had to become those things. I remember my father telling me, whatever you wanna do, just make sure you are great at it and you can help the people you love. That's all he ever required of me. And of course, would he prefer if I become, you know, a mad scientist that creates the cure for uh, AIDS or whatever, whatever, like all this stuff. Anybody wants their child to achieve the ultimate prize, right? But they understood that success should be also predicated on happiness, right? Like, so my parents made sure that I understood that growing up. They made sure that you know, just be great at whatever you do. And I, I kid you not, growing up, when I told my parents I wanted to play the flute, they said okay. When I told my parents I wanted to play soccer, they said okay. When I wanted to play football, okay. When I wanted to do the international baccalaureate program. Okay. It was never, you have to do this, you have to do that. But they always made me raise the bar. When I'd bring grades home and said, no, oh, okay, why are the B's not A's? Work harder. It was never a, like, you disappointed me. It was like, oh, well, I know you're capable of the A, step it up. And I'm like, okay. So in everything that I wanted to do, I kept thinking of my hardworking parents. If my dad could work double shifts for five years of his life, um, and my mom was working as well, then what goal in life did I not, would I not be able, it, I felt like it was built in my DNA to accomplish things. And I tell my friends sometimes and some people hear it and they think it's arrogance, but it is confidence in what God has given me. There's never a task that is in front of me that I do not believe I am capable of because I've seen my parents do tasks they should not have done, but they did to sacrifice for me. So when it comes to career path, I I think just being in it, being, thinking about what I wanted to be in this world. I thought about what makes me unique in the place that I live in. And I thought about being Ghanaian American has made me feel special. It's something, I'm so proud of. It's something I'm so happy to be, you know? And when I went to undergrad, my accepted students day, I actually went to college thinking I would be a bioethicist. And it wasn't until my accepted students day first class that I sat in, where I sat in the political science class and 10 minutes into the session, I turned to my mom and I said, this is what I want to do. And again, she said, okay, that's it. Okay. Like we believe in you. Um, and I realized that what I wanted to do in life had to be predicated on on humanity. It had to be predicated on my brothers, my sisters, and people. And I had to find a career path that allowed me to connect with people. So I studied international affairs. I even studied history. I just wanted to find a way to connect with people. And I, w- I went on to get my master's in conflict resolution and coexistence because I want to help transform conflict. I do not believe anger is a bad thing. I think we have to channel it into the right channels, right? We have to be able to create new systems and things like that. So it's about transforming. Forming conflicts, it's still about people. So every single thing I've done has been because I know that my parents, if they work that hard, it must be something in our DNA. But for me, I want to work hard for people, just like they worked hard for me.
2: Yeah, thank you for for sharing that. That's that's so powerful to see your parents working as hard as they do. It, it, it builds this this uh, this resolve within you, to drive, um, this passion to to make sure that you do not waste the effort that they have that they have um, exercised. Right. You don't want to waste um, all that they have given up for you, right? To give you the opportunity that that you have. And you were mentioning kind of this this idea of finding your your passion, right? Is people and how how do people function? How how do people interact? How do people engage? Um, and I know that that's played out in a lot of different ways for you over the years. Um, and could you talk a little bit now about um, one of the organizations uh, which you co-founded, which is the Return Movement, and how your passion for people uh, and your passion for your for your home country Ghana and for diaspora in general, really helped birth that organization. Can you give us a little bit of background for that?
3: Yeah, so the return movement is near and dear to my heart. It is something that I I think when I leave this earth, um, people, people will remember me because of how much I loved this movement and I believed in this movement. And, you know, in 2018, I got a chance to take part in the Young African Leaders Initiative, on um, the Ghana RLC, the Regional Leadership Center in Ghana. I went there for a training and beforehand to get excused for my, my master's program to go, I took on an independent study on African diaspora and what it meant to reintegrate back home. So I had done a, f- a short film beforehand, before leaving, and I had not published the film. And, you know, it was one of my friends, Alvaro Hueso, had helped me film it and I had it all all edited and ready to go. And I got to Ghana and the people that I was interacting with, the Ghanaians especially, did not know initially that I was not living in Ghana, that I was raised in the US. And there was a moment where a young lady said to me, she said, hey, I like the way that you mix the dialects together. And I said, what? I had forgotten that I grew up in a household where my dad spoke tree and my mom spoke Fante. So I was speaking tree and fante at once. She thought it was about inclusivity, (laughs) not that I hadn't mastered the dialects well enough to speak one alone. And you know, I had such a great experience there. Some of those people are still some of my closest friends today. You know, I think of Silas, I think of Foster, I think of Bella, I think of all these people and you know, uh, Fatimata, all these people from different West African nations, right? And I, I think about these people and how they they changed me. I returned back and I kid you not, I literally re-edited the whole entire first um, video that I did, I edited it completely. And in the video, I did a call to action. I invited Diaspora members to come sit down um, with me to have a conversation because while I was in Ghana, when I was with the other young African leaders, I realized that I was seeing my friends in those people. You know, I was seeing, you know, young uh, a young man named bon- Boniface who is in charge of one of the biggest cerebral palsy activism groups and organizations in Ghana. I was seeing people who cared about IT, who cared about coding, who cared about all these different things. And I was like, well, those are my friends. That's my friend, John. That's my friend, Prince. That's my friend, Katie. That's my friend, Brienne. Those were my friends, but from different countries. And I said, well, what are we doing to connect millennials with our counterparts in our home countries? So I wanted to have a conversation with other diaspora members to discuss what it means to be from somewhere else whether our parents or whether we ourselves, what does that mean? And what does it look like to reintegrate in the mind and in the heart before we actually do it with our legs? Um, Because a lot of the times when people say reintegration, they think about just going straight back home, but we have things to unlearn. Um, And so we sat down and before the filming, a young lady by the name of Violet Nugent, she was going to be in the documentary. She was in the documentary. And she said to me, Isaac, what? So what are you going to do next? And I was like, (laughs) Violet, I'm going to graduate. and we're going to move on to bigger and better things. And she said, no, you you can. I was like, excuse me? She was like, you've evoked something in people's hearts. You've articulated something that people have been having a hard time articulating. You can't just drop this and go. It'd be irresponsible. And I said, okay, so what do you mean? And she said, we we both looked at each other and said social movement. And right then and there in front of the Starbucks at Brandeis University's Heller School, we drew the logo. We got help from a, a woman by the name of Dr. Sandra Jones, a wonderful woman who helped me so much during my master's program. And we created everything right then and there and we built it out and even after the first the filming of the second you know documentary that was our first announcement of like hey guys we're on facebook now follow us get engaged and things like that and in the conversation there was an indian american whose mom grew up in tanzania a german south african who's after the berlin wall fell his father grabbed him by the hand and took him to south africa and he ended up in apartheid south africa and he was mind boggled him and his family were shocked at what was going on because there they were leaving germany to come and see people so divided. And then, you know, I, a, a gentleman who is a, a big part of return today, Amos Zerimana, who is was born in Burundi, but was taken to Tanzania when he was uh, shortly after he was born and raised there until he was about maybe 12 at a refugee camp in Tanzania and eventually came to the U.S. with Catholic Charities, well, by way of Catholic Charities to Kentucky. And so many different people, so many different people from different countries. And when we were talking, I realized that there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt that people have, have felt. And a lot of that hurt is due to not being connected. Um, it, it is almost like when your phone is away from the charger too long, right? Like you need to be recharged. Our roots recharge us and knowing where we come from recharge us. And all of us in that conversation walked away feeling better, feeling, mm, I guess, to translate it to English, feeling bigger, the bigger versions of ourselves. And in the documentary, I did something unique where I invited a Nigerian national who was an international student that was attending our grad school to walk in and surprise everyone and ask them from a, a, a local perspective what exactly are you, a diaspora member, willing to give up? And what are you willing to do to reconnect back home? And it was such a powerful conversation that was that was held. And we went on to create a diaspora framework where we are asking people to, if you want to reintegrate back home, you have to first reevaluate your practices, not just your practices as an individual, but the practices of the diaspora as a whole. Take time to reflect on the negative and positives that have been carried out by the diaspora. And then re-educate yourself. There are narratives that diaspora must learn and unlearn. And to do this, we need to take the voices and opinions of people within the context that we wish to support seriously. We need to commit to learning, not just teaching, because a lot of times we feel like we're there to teach. And then the last one was to rebuild. We need to rebuild the places we're from, rebuild the narratives of how diaspora can create positive impacts, but we cannot build with out the people. We have to collaboratively, collaboratively work with the people to seek a better future for those places. You can't just go in and bulldoze and say that, hey, you guys need this building or that building. Um, you must work with your people to do it and not think that you are the leading expert on it. You know, um, So it's been an amazing ride, an amazing journey. And I, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it. And I'm so happy that it, it is going to keep growing and be bigger than me. And I want, it, I, I want to get to a point where people forget that Isaac Cujo helped create this. I want everybody in their hearts to be like yeah man i remember when i helped build return i don't care take it you know i I want this to be yours right so that that's where we are today wow
2: that's that's so interesting that that you share that perspective at the end it really spoke out to me where you said that you want this to live beyond you right this is not this is not supposed to be built um, this movement isn't to be built around a person right to be built around perspectives and ideologies that you want to be shared um and and that shows your 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 heart for this right your focus is more so on how can i shift perspective versus how can i draw attention and i'm curious as you have been a part of this movement as you were just mentioning um as you've been in working locally, sustainably, how can we, uh, thinking about how can we really engage the diaspora and and more so than just the reintegration of our feet, right? How can we first think about our our minds and our perspectives that we have towards our home countries? Um, you know, what I really want to tease out a little bit here is how do you, how do you differentiate that? Um, how do you focus on, on that, um, that reshifting of, of the mind? Um, but then also as a leader, as someone who Develop co- co-founded this organization, right? You, your goal is for things to be to be able to run themselves eventually. So, how do you then also know when is the right time for me as a leader to to step away and, and feel confident in in the movement that I help build and in the movement that I that I helped to organize?
3: So, return is not built to seek monetary gain. We are not a organization that tries to monetize the experiences of the diaspora. That is something that we have not built into. Our, our 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 plan or our agenda, um, and that's not to say that maybe one day down the line when I'm not a part of it or whatever changes happen. But right now, I can say that for me, return is not about getting likes on Instagram. It is not about having the most followers. It is not about having the most of any of those things. It's really about inspiring every single person that I speak to to reevaluate what their identity is and how it's connected to their roots. You know, when we talk about like conflict resolution, we always look at the root problems. So like when I look at individuals, what is your root source? Where do you come from and how does that make you strong? Because any plant, any tree needs to take care of its roots. The roots are the base. We don't often see our roots, but we feel our roots. So for me, return is supposed to be a catalyst. Some people have experienced, we have had conversations with people in return. They've gone on to do amazing things. They've gone on to help start different movements and stuff like that. Again, return is not here to become a household name. What we do want to become a household name is your individuality and your respect for who you are so when we talk about like when do i know to separate myself i will always be a champion for people loving themselves more and loving their roots right um and this is not some some group where we are trying to gain power we are trying to influence you to show people who you really are but first start with yourself so when i think about return in the future you may call it so many different names but i just want to be able to have a conversation with you today and then see you in a month and you're like yo I'm actually thinking about going to Ethiopia I'm actually thinking about that is my that is my joy right because I know that I can't do reintegration of the mind for you you have to be willing to do it I can tell you to read why immigrants come to America brain gain I can tell you to read diasporas or world on fire I can tell you to read so many different books right but it is going to be up to you to do the work um, return isn't doing the work for you now we do have resources where we have a diasporas pen and a locals pen blog where both locals and diaspora can write to each other or write to the world about their experiences. And we do hope that when you read those, you realize that, wow, there's so much beauty in knowing my roots. Just last week, we, we we shared a story of a young man who comes from Ethiopian background and his parents were business owners in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And he's gone out on now to start diaspora foods and he's creating spices that will inspire people to reconnect with their roots again. And my goal is to have other members of diaspora read that and say, well, how can I connect with my roots, right? Because this young man had to go to Ethiopia about four times, falling in love with his roots over and over, knowing his language, coming in that background and things like that. I want to inspire you to keep being yourself, but bigger. Be the bigger you, right? And and that that that's what I mean by returns future is I want everybody to find, find their voice, amplify it, and, and, and reconnect to who they really are.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's such a noble mission and one that is not common to see you know everyone has a mission statement but there's generally some level of i don't know about profit but some level of benefit personal benefit that that people generally want and and to hear you talk about uh, i want to shift perspectives right like success to me is seeing you change success to me is seeing you grow success to me is seeing um this movement build um beyond me right years down the line um i think is is such a powerful way to look at organizing to look at um you know building a movement And, and you know you talked about also some of the things that you've done to engage with media right and that's something we're also trying to do in terms of engaging um people through media engaging diaspora through media and you talked about some of the articles that you guys write, and you, you you mentioned diaspora foods, which I I ordered the I ordered the spice. It was pretty fire, literally and figuratively. <laughs> And I loved it. Um, And and so I'm curious, this is just, uh, you know, we've got you on and, you know, you've got a lot of wisdom you've been sharing with us. For us also here at at the Ubuntu podcast um, and for you as someone who has been engaging with the return movement, with um, the diaspora, how have you seen um, leveraging media, right? And the power of media, especially in this age of technology that we're in now um, to to really help engage people and bring communities together together. Um, from around the world that, that maybe couldn't have been brought together otherwise.
3: Yeah, so when we started the podcast, I said, thank you guys for building a bridge. When I think about the, the bridge, the diaspora are the bridge. We are going to be the bridge that connect um, African-Americans, we connect people that are born here, whatever the case, back home. Um, back home, it may be different for at return. We believe, you know, diaspora. We're, when we talk about diaspora, we're talking about everybody's diaspora, right? We're talking about different countries and stuff like that. But for this call, we'll talk about the African continent, right? And I think that the bridge of diaspora create must be digital. My f- grandfather turned 90 years old yesterday, and I was able to WhatsApp video him at 90 years old. And he still lives in the very village that I was born in, or the very town I was born in. And, and it warmed my heart to know that. I could see his face and see his smile with all that's going on with coronavirus and, you know, borders being shut down and things like that. And I thought about how powerful media and these different platforms, Zoom, you know, podcasts and all these different things, Facebook, Instagram have become to connecting us. But I think that it's time for us to see that in our generation, as millennials, we have been growing up with, with uh, technology. But we also remember a little bit of what it was like when it didn't exist, right? When we didn't have Facebook, when we didn't have MySpace, we remember those, right? And I remember when I first came to this country, years in, my dad would wait months for letters to arrive from back home. (laughs) And now, he's having conversations with people back home every single day on WhatsApp. And I'm like, well, we need to leverage that to be having conversations with our counterparts back home. And say, well, what do you all need? What are you learning about that I need to learn about? What is it that what tools do you have that I need to learn from, and vice versa? And, you know, having podcasts and having conversations and inviting members of the diaspora and inviting locals or whatever is very, very critical. The bridge that we build is going to have to be digital because, in the absence of tech, I remember how hard it was for my father to reach back home. You know, you and, and most members of the diaspora know when your parents are calling back home, back in the day when we had calling cards and you go to the gas station to get a calling card and you'd have to shout, you'd hear them shouting at the top of the their voice so that the person back home could hear them because they're at the call center. They're like, yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Right. But now it's so easy where it's like, oh, let me call your grandfather real quick. And we have to tap into that as well. So that that, I think the bridge must be digital and we must be willing to use our skills that we've developed being online on Twitter. I think there's more, there was a prediction don't quote me, of course, but um, there's going to be a lot more African youth on Twitter in the next 20 years than any other demographic. Right. And it, and it's like, man, let's let's tap into that. Let's tap into that. Let's make sure that we're utilizing that. Not just Twitter, but let's build a bridge to other platforms. I want to not just see your tweets, but I want to hear your voice. I want to see the videos. We see that with all these uprisings and things going on in different nations. We're actually able to see the movement happening back home, and we need to tap into that and be a voice and support. Yeah, that's,
2: that's so good, and I think it's it, everything you're saying is is, is is really true that we can use the media, right? We can we can leverage media to bring a voice, to bring a a face, to these movements, right? And we can use it to to bring people together. Uh, and that's that's something that, you know, it sounds like you guys have been doing really well within the Return Movement. It's something we're also trying to grow and build here within um, the Ubuntu Podcast. And one thing that, you know, I'll ask, um, cause I know we've, we've taken up a lot of your time. You've been blessing us with it. But one one question we wanna ask you that we ask everybody as we, as we close out. And it's been so powerful to hear about your experience um, personally and how that has translated for you professionally. Um, and then also to, to hear you reflect and step outside of yourself, looking at the diaspora as a whole and how you want to see this movement grow and you want to see this, this movement expand moving forward. Um, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts You know on on how we can continue to encourage and engage the diaspora. And you know here at Ubuntu, um, our mission, as we mentioned earlier, is to really bring African people from all over together uh, because we believe we're better together than we are apart. And so if you could speak to every single member of the African diaspora across language, across geography, across borders, what would you say? What would you leave them?
3: I think I'd start off by speaking to Black people whose ancestry can be traced through the Middle Passage, through the slave trade and you know, African-Americans, those in the islands and those who have experienced their their lineage's experience, the direct clutches of the cruelty of the enslavement of people. Um, and I, I would start off by saying, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry that this has taken so long. I'm sorry that cruelty happened to separate us. And I'm sorry that we still have a hard time recognizing that you are my brother and you are my sister and I I would say that without you there is no us and despite our times where we have conflict and we divide and we we might not see eye to eye, I want you to know that there are members of the diaspora back home who understand without you there is no us. In my country of Ghana, if Kwame Nkrumah did not go to Lincoln University a historically black college and learn of Marcus Garvey and learn of all these great thinkers he would not, he may not have not become the revolutionary that he became, right? If it wasn't for African Americans and Black people in different parts of the world sharing their thoughts. Right? If it wasn't for Du Bois, if it wasn't for all these different people that are in the diaspora, we we may have not been liberated when we were. And it's so important for me to get that message across because, again, without you, there is no us. And the future we want to build involves you. It involves you. And it will not be easy. I don't like when people try to romanticize it and make it sound like it's going to be some homecoming where we all clap and hold hands. because we've seen that it's not the case in certain countries that have tried it but I will say that I want you home in the mind and in the heart whether you decide to come home with your feet that's up to you but I want you to know that there is a place that belongs to you as well that is your home as well and I want the diaspora as a whole to begin to see the importance of loving our brothers and sisters and taking care of our brothers and sisters that means that even though you are immigrant in this country, what is happening in Minneapolis should evoke, should evoke some type of responsibility within you. It should inspire you to act. It should make you recognize that we are one. And we, you know, so many different organizations exist that talk about, hey, let's move a million African-Americans to Africa. Let's do this. Let's do that. But I want people to understand that before we even move people physically, we have to have conversations about what is in our heart and what is in our mind. And And that responsibility is on each and every one of us, regardless of where you live, where you are. and take it seriously. Take the responsibility seriously. We have so much to learn from each other. You know, the I'm sorry is on my behalf. It is on behalf of my ancestors. It is on behalf of the world. It is Because what, what has happened to some members of the diaspora is so unjust. What has happened to all Black people is unjust. But what has happened to some members of the diaspora, the cruelty and the divide. And I always think of it as my cousins that got abducted. Um, and man, I, I can't stress if I found out that my cousin was abducted and he's living a different life and he's not being treated well right now. And despite what I don't have, I will want to give him everything and I will want him home. So to all members of the diaspora, we have to learn to love each other, respect each other and care for each other before we can actually build the future we want to build.
2: That That is a part of the process. Yeah, that that's so powerful and, and I don't think could have been put any, any better. Isaac, we just want to thank you so much for joining the podcast today, man. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Hey, we're excited to hear what People have got to say. And I think we're going to have to have you back, Isaac. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. We need you to come back, man. <laughs>
3: Be honest Be honest But I also have a long list of other members of the diaspora and people living in different parts of the world that would be interested in being a part of what you all are building. So if it's not me, there's so many other people.
4: Listen, listen. So, well, yeah. One, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just want to reiterate to Isaac, we had an incredible conversation and um, I really think everyone should lead by his example. We do need to connect ourselves as much as possible to, to our continent, to each other other to um, other folks who are a part of the diaspora. And so a part of what I am sharing about today is my attempt or one of the things that I have done to engage in just that. And so I mentioned um, on a couple of other episodes and I've hinted at the fact that I really have wanted to uh, do a DNA test. And um to clarify, this is not for paternity, <laughs> not that DNA test, an ancestral DNA test. And um, I have done one. There's a few disclaimers that I will share about that as I share what will be our results. But I really, I decided a while back that when I was really committed and saying like my really kind of enhancing and enlarging my identity to really be encompassing of, of African and claiming myself as an African uh, there's a there's a really typical, I won't say typical there's a really, it's a really complicated challenge in doing that as a descendant of slaves and knowing that there are parts of understanding around my lineage that will never be fully um realize there's some details that will just never materialize. Um, and that is the intentional decision of the history and those who have who took my family from their homelands. And so there's a there's a level of peace, even in saying, like, hey, I want to do an, an ancestry DNA test. There's a level of peace that I have to come to and a level of resolve and having to say my identity situates, and there's a there's a there's a fragment to nature about it that makes it specific. To, you know, a set group of people, almost as in being displaced in this way is its own form of like, you know, national marker. (laughs) Um, like not the country of X, Y, or Z, but really like the place of being kind of somewhere spread in the middle, coming somewhere spread in between. Um, and if we all, I believe, dig enough. Deeper into our histories, we'll find that, you know, there is no real, there is no real accomplishment or there is no real place that you arrive where you're pure of anything. And I think we mythologize what it means to be human as it relates to place and identity and belonging. And we're all the compilation of different. Um, individuals in our families who have decided to move, who have decided to leave one place and return to the other, who have decided to meet and engage in, in, in life with those who are different than us on some level. And so that's also been something I'm trying to understand as well. In doing this test, it wasn't about trying to prove or validate, yo, I'm African because I can maybe point to some place that gives me that license. But it's like, David, you have to, and I, and this is me also. Talking to every member of the African diaspora who is a descendant of slaves and who has to call many places their place of origin, that there has to be a conviction and there has to be a there has to be an acknowledgement that this is our story and that you know it's not to be diminished. And I think a lot of times that was something I was doing to myself. It was like, man, I want to be able to know specifically. I want to pinpoint exactly where in Africa I'm from. And but in doing that. I think at times I've dishonored or even haven't given full access to find so much inspiration and the reason that I am where I am today and the, 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 the difficulty in knowing that my ancestors lived a life where they knew that they weren't sure if I would ever be able to know where and who exactly I was coming from. But they fought and they tended their way through life to make sure that I could be here and and so to that I'm extremely grateful and that was just a really long sappy way of kind of getting down to <laughs> to the to the nitty gritty and so for our listeners i've been um i've been unsure how exactly i'm gonna share this with the group um and so i also do want to do a disclaimer i yo i chose ancestry dna and so there's other ones that are going to be more specific personally if african ancestry dna the company the black owned dna testing company wants to sponsor me or ubuntu please do so so i can get one of y'all's tests because they're pricey and so that was one (laughs) that was one of the reasons why i was like you know let me build up my understanding i'll start with the the simple test and then kind of uh um move from there so they have like you can see that it's like lit up like a christmas tree but really i so the dna tests reveal well one of the things that i i don't find shocking i actually learned this from henry lewis gates african americans descended of slaves are on average only like about 76 percent uh african and the other pieces are going to be resulting of folks who were instrumental in your in the slave trade. But I share a large quarter of my ethnicity as Nigerian. I share about a quarter Nigerian. And then there's a bunch of other like compilations. So folks from Cameroon, Congo, and Southern Bantu peoples like tipping around like Southern Africa. Those regions, I'm about a quarter as well, 24%, 22% Malian. Um, but they've also identified in that because it's so close to Sierra Leone, so close to Burkina Faso, kind of in that group group as well and then so those are and then you know they say I'm 5% Ghanaian so you know Isaac we in there we in that thing <laughs> um, some Benin some Togo even some Senegal and then Senegalese and so it's like really lit up here and I think what's powerful about this is to know there were so many and something so horrific as the, as the West Atlantic slave trade there was a convergence of so many people and so many countries and so many nations and so many places that found itself into into my blood (laughs) and so like I carry all of these places I carry all these things and not to mention you know uh english and wales and the northwest of the parts of my blood that sometimes make my my blood kind of boil i'm like oh because i imagine that those circumstances weren't always voluntary um and so uh you know for my friends you know for you guys we can talk more offline about what this really means and I, they even actually um they connected me to to a couple of uh cousins like a um, second what do they call it you know you have your first cousins, second cousins third cousins couple second and third cousins uh and like louisiana and things like that from those roots but i did want to share that because i know i've been hyping it up and another thing i'm very really excited when the world returns to its former former order and borders begin to open up 2021 i would love to be able to just really travel specifically around west africa and visit a lot of these places uh and hopefully by then i will have an even more in depth DNA tests to speak to maybe some tribal groups and maybe some specific regions in these countries. But yeah, that is what I'm looking at. And yeah, this is my this is my history. This is my family. This is my DNA. And this is me. And this is the first step in what I call my own personal revolutionized return. And so thank you all for for listening. I hope our listeners are intrigued and they also find the courage, strength, and the money to if they can learn more about their ancestry as well.
1: Uh, David, that's a really interesting DNA test. I mean, I was looking at it now and the results are, yeah, it's all around the world. I was doing like a Google search and kind of figuring out the history of those places as well. So yeah, I definitely want to do one for myself too, actually, after you shared that one. Thank you so much, Isaac, for making the time to speak with us today. And thank you, Nati, for the interview. We definitely want to extend our thank you to all of our viewers for just an exciting first season where all of you have been able to really engage with us and give us just your take on things and we've learned that at least I've learned as well that this is a topic that needs further conversation that the Ubuntu podcast will be continuing on. So I just definitely want to extend my thank you to all of you and let you guys know that I appreciate all of you for your support during this whole process.
4: Yeah, I I, I agree with you, Hinock. And again, want to just quickly thank everyone who's listened and not only listened to our podcast, but has really been giving us feedback and, you know, talking about different topics that we should really discuss and we want to let you know that this will continue to be your platform as we take time to build and plan for what is next and I've just really enjoyed working with Hinock and working with Udall and working with Natty and all of our incredible guests like Isaac and Mariam and just had a real blast this season I learned so much and I'm so grateful that there is such a desire amongst so many incredible people to bridge our communities together to talk talk about the hard things, to lean on each other for support and to never settle and um, sell ourselves short of how amazing we are. And so I love you all. I love our listeners. And yeah, those are just some of my reflections from how great this past season has been. Yes, y'all until season two, be in the lookout because we got some amazing things coming to you this summer. So don't be asleep, but we love you all. Thank you all. And we'll see you next season.
0: Thank you, Isaac, uh, for coming and ending our season with a bang. Uh, we truly appreciate it, brother. Uh, and Natty, man, you have been incredible uh, through this, this whole process. We love you and appreciate you for that, bro. And Henok and David, uh, wow, I, just, I have learned so much from y'all. I thought I knew y'all, but now I know y'all. Uh, Thank y'all for that. And to our listeners, uh, we couldn't have done this without y'all. Just wanted to say we appreciate y'all. Continue to further the conversation. Remember, this is your platform. Uh, We are the bridge, us in the diaspora to Back to the Continent. We need to close that gap uh, more so now than ever. Uh, we are the bridge. And so please continue further the conversations in your own household and in your communities. Thank you all so much and much love and peace.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Ubuntu Pod and on Facebook at The Ubuntu Podcast. Make sure to like, follow and subscribe. You can listen to us on both Apple and Spotify as well. You can also follow me directly on Instagram at Kenny Yilma,
0: H-E-N-I-Y-I-L-M-A. Hey, y'all, it's Dow. Don't forget to follow me on IG. So it's Dow underscore Dole Dole.
4: Hey, everyone, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at David J-A-Y. Curtis with two S's. Thank you.